G'day, welcome back. Darren Mitchell here, and you're about to listen to another brand new episode of the Exceptional Sales Leader Podcast. Today, I'm speaking with Mr. Solomon Timothy, all the way from Chicago. Solomon is the co-founder and CEO of IMS and ClickX, leading inbound marketing and sales agency, and they help businesses increase revenue using the 10X framework. It's a fantastic conversation. There is absolutely lots of gold if you're a sales leader and a sales person, but also a business owner looking to expand your reach, to build credibility, and to try and attract more customers into your ecosystem. And if you'd like to know more about Solomon, please check out the links in the show notes. So without further ado, let's get straight into the episode. Welcome to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast with Darren Mitchell. If you're a sales leader looking to take your leadership to a whole new level, then this is the podcast for you. We'll be exploring tips, techniques, and strategies to help you take your leadership to the exceptional level and allow you to enjoy more money, more meaning, and better sales results. All right, welcome back to the Exceptional Sales Leader Podcast and uh, a very special guest all the way from Chicago. And we are talking... Well, we're talking, it's Tuesday afternoon in Chicago right now, and it's Wednesday morning here in Melbourne. Uh, a very special welcome to Mr. Solomon Timothy, all the way from Chicago. How's things, my friend? Doing great, Darren. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so fired up. As I told you, I have a lot of folks in Australia, more than you can imagine. So I know what's it like to live in the future and, you know, be acting in the future. Oh, I love this. And the, the first thing you said to me when we jumped on before we pressed record is, man, I love that accent. <laughs> the, oh, 100%. Um, so what is, what is it about Aussie accents, you reckon? I, I think it's just that, first of all, you say mate a lot, and yeah. we don't, right? It's like, we, we like those differences because, you know, we're used to what we get here. You know, there's Northern accent or Southern or, you know, yeah. New Yorker and whatever else. I just don't. I just don't, it's nowhere near. My uh, book editor is actually in Australia. Okay. She's so busy. She sends me voice memo. And I love them more than the email she sends me because I don't get the sound effect. <laughs> and I respond back every time saying, you know, please only leave me voice memos because I <laughs> this is just so good. I just love this. <laughs> you know, I'm like, please don't ever email me. This is, first of all, easy for me to consume. I'm a like a big believer in not having to type everything. Yeah, You press that little button, record button, almost every app has it. You say everything you need to say. Even if you're driving a car, it's easier to do than to sit there and try to text and do whatever. It sounds like more CEOs need to do that. If you want to move faster, you press that little button. And for you, you know, when you do that, you can even do that in LinkedIn now, right? Like mm. that's a way more personal touch yeah. To your prospects, we're talking sales today, right? Like yeah. than anything you could type up because bots can type up. Huh. But bots are yet to make Darren's voice through, you know, LinkedIn saying, hey, Bob, how you been? I haven't touched base with you in whatever many months. Super excited about your new position as such and such company. That's amazing. It is. And it differentiates, isn't it? So that's what we need to do as organizations and as individuals is look for ways that we can differentiate and leave leave a, pers a a prospect or an existing customer with an impression that there's something there's something unique and different about this particular person. Absolutely. Here's like, and I'm sure this is your policy as well. If your competition is doing it, don't do it. Yeah. 
Exactly right. <laughs> you don't want to be a you don't want to be a me too type thing. So go out and be the be the pioneer. Exactly. Um, and I and I can guarantee you they're not dropping voice mails like this or voice memos or yeah. voice audio because they're not. No. They're trying to automate it to some tool that they've found for 50 bucks a month who can send hundred thousand messages in a month. That is the opposite of what salespeople should be doing today. Cause that's what you said is genuine relationship. You can't fake that. No, you can't. And it reminds me like back in the, back in the old days when we were, when before, before the internet took over and we all had this access to technology, there was a couple of mentors that I had that instilled in me the, I guess the method of when you go and meet a potential customer, make sure you send them a handwritten note afterwards, thanking them mm. for their time. And, Try to find something that was unique or valuable and give it to them. So one mentor of mine used to actually look for uh, snippets out of like the financial papers that might be relevant to the industry of the customer or the potential customer they just met and would send it in an envelope, snail mail, but it would still go to them. And they might have got it two or three days later, but it meant that there was a rekindling of that and a reminder of the value that they wanted to provide because nobody was doing it. And it's easy to do but it's also easy not to do. So doing things like the voice memos is a, is a great a great little uh, great idea. Absolutely. And to add to that, one of my sales mentors gave me something which I don't think any salespeople do, by the way, is to sit there and fill out a form about the prospect you're about to meet. Yeah. Called pre-call planning. And <laughs> the reason is that you go find, hey, what do they like? Basketball? Do they like this? Today, we're winging it, aren't we? We're winging the sales call. On the call, we find out what they like. This allows us to bring so much to it. Say, hey, how about them clippers or whatever? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Because this allows you, this forces you to do your research. Mm. And trust me, you're going to do better. You'll go farther with that deal uh, with this pre-call planning than you will. And then if you cut up the clip and send it through it, Man, you made such a great impact. Oh, it's just, <laughs> You're probably going to close the deal. Absolutely. But it's so, and when you think about it, as you were talking about that, I'm thinking, well, when I when I work with sales teams, one of the things I do actually, do actually make sure they focus on is exactly that, the pre-call planner. Mm -hmm. And I say, it doesn't take any more than five minutes. These are some of the yeah. key things you need to think about. Because at least when you go into a customer, having done some preparation, your level of credibility instantly goes up as long as there's something of value you're going to deliver to that customer versus what most salespeople do, as you rightly said. They'll go in and they'll wing it and say, oh, we've got a great relationship. I'll just go and talk about whatever happened on the weekend and we'll see where we go from there. And how does that work for you? Well, not very well. You could think it over. We're going to review this. We're going to get back to you. <laughs> and then right? you hear it's just literally, yeah, stalled deals. Totally. We never even understood if they have a problem. Yeah. Um, right. And then, and then we never got deep into what the real problem is. We left it at surface level problems and we just, uh, it's the unlimited follow-up mode. We're going to keep following up and following yeah. up and following up. Yeah. It doesn't do anything because you're still following up with the problem that wasn't the real problem. That's it. And, uh, you know, it's unfortunate, but this is, you just add more salespeople to do the exact same thing over and over rather than getting deeper and closing deals. Would you agree, Darren? What are they, absolutely. So what do they say? It's sometimes the blind leading the blind because the sales leaders that are doing that have come from the old school where that's exactly the same methodology they used. So they think, oh, we'll just do the same thing because that's what I know. And it's not. You got to look for how you can be, how you can be different, how you can stand out, how you can be unique. So mm. 
Hey, I'm looking forward to this conversation. <clears throat> Excuse me, bit of a frog in the throat. Um, for the people listening, Solomon, you are the co-founder and CEO of IMS and ClickX, and you're a leading inbound marketing and sales agency based in Chicago. But you actually said you've got a number of clients around the world, including um, in Australia, which is which is really intriguing. Um, and you help businesses increase revenue using what you call the the 10x framework, which I believe is the basis for your best-selling book, the Zero to 10K Scale Playbook. Is that correct? Um, all of it is in everything I do, right? Like I can't take it out and say, put it here. It's in every <laughs> podcast. It's every piece of content. Um, I'll just share the, the 10X framework because I think it's really easy. And I'll share all of everything. This is going to be the ultimate episode, right? Like just listen to this one over and over. The ultimate episode. Hang on. Let me just write. That's, that's, uh, that's, there's <laughs> right? a title, the ultimate episode. It, it is. Cause honestly, um, if you look at your career, if you look at, you know, putting our brains together, I mean, you're going to get so much nuggets just by, just by this conversation. So to me, the 10 X framework really came from me being this marketing guy, uh, helping so many customers with their lead generation and sales. Every client of ours either has their marketing with a whole bunch of people that know a lot of information or they're like, Simon, we want nothing to do with it. We're outsourcing it to you. You do it. Yeah. And the challenge that we run into is that they're doing they're doing trade shows. They're doing newspaper or TV or radio or billboard or, you know, email campaign, cold email, warm email, every kind of email, pixel email, you name it. Yeah. And then and then you ask them, what is this bringing you? Zero. No idea. What about this? No idea. What about this? But we we love them. We we have to keep this postcard campaign. There's no way we're going to stop it. But when was the last time you got something? I don't know. But Mary says it's working great. Well, what's Mary basing it off of? Mary has no basis yeah. on why this is working great. So our rule is 80% of what they're doing isn't going to scale. 80% okay. of what they're doing in their sales team, in their marketing team is not working. Just kind of like you and I said, emailing more people, yeah, increasing the quantity, Increasing the frequency. This is actually not closing any deals. Yeah. But 20% of it is actually doing things. So we get under the hood and try to find that 20%. Mm. And we try to blow that 20% so big while we shut down all these other things that they're so in love with, but they think it's working. Like every week we send an email newsletter. I said, well, how many people click on this newsletter? No idea, but it's working great. Why? Because <laughs> we have a system. We have a system to get this newsletter out. But I was like, there's no value in it. There's no video. There's nothing new they're going to learn. Do you realize that you and I don't need more emails in our inboxes? Mm -hmm. If it's not going to teach me something, if it's not going to save me money, I yeah. don't want it, right? Yeah. We're not even opening our emails anymore, like email newsletters. You open the three brands you love and you know they're going to put something fun in there. But the most other ones, it's not doing anything. Yeah, that is quite So it's quite sad but it's this 80% that we are so entangled with. Same thing in the ha happens on the on the CRM side. We yep. get a lead, we do all this other stuff with it, but how many of them booked appointments and what do we find out the real problem? None. What's yeah. our process? What do we do on that sales call? What about this pre-call thing we talked about and the post-call? Yeah. Yeah. Do we have a sales process and, and, and how do we know we're talking to decision? All of these things are great, but it's not happening. Mm. What about feeding the CRM with this information so we can run a report, ask marketing people and send more nurture sequences. We don't have that data because our salespeople don't put anything in the CRM system. 
This happens every single day. But is the salesperson very busy? Absolutely. They're so busy. They don't have time to sit down, Darren. They're so busy. Well, they're at so the They don't ask me. Coffee. Yeah, so that's the framework. So what we do is we cut everything out. Cut, 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 like ruthlessly. And we, we got to do it in a loving way because everybody's emotionally attached to their things. Do you agree? They're yeah. emotionally attached to their Word documents or their Excel templates or the whatever else that they're used to. Yeah. So we have to do it in a way that is not, it's basically going to help them. And when we do that, we may have to switch their CRM systems or whatever. We start to look at where the lead came from that closed. Yeah. And how did we, how long did that take to close? We put an entire system in place so we can monitor and measure and help them 10x, really. Yeah. And the thing is that you, you said a few interesting things there and that a lot of people say, hey, this is working. Well, we've got a great, we've got a great system to get a piece of content out there, but they're only looking at it from their perspective. Just so we're doing a newsletter. When it goes out there, just by some miracle, people are going to um, click on it, read it, and want to do business with us, but it's not, it's not necessarily the case. But as part of that, it's a case of, well, how do you measure that? And you you said that, that there was a lot of questions you ask people. Well, how many people click on that? Don't know. How many people actually turn into a conversion in terms of a discovery call? Don't know. So part of it sounds like, well, if you're going to put something in place, you need to be able to yeah. put a process that you can measure, but you can interrogate to see, is this working? Is it working to our expectations? And if it's not, we've got to change it or we've got to replace it. 100%. Yeah. yeah, it's it's uh, the CEO is on point. He knows he needs to increase sales, yeah. but it's all these other things. You know, maybe there's a third party vendor or a Susie or Sally or whoever they have inside their company who they hired. You know, they hire marketing people, which I have nothing against, by the way. Yeah. But Canva is not digital marketing. No. You know, my kids know how to use Canva, you know, but the challenge is that it doesn't drive leads. No. Posting more on Instagram doesn't do it. It's very top of funnel. Yeah. So I have to understand that this is only going to drive some awareness. It's probably not even going to give me a single lead. But if my CEO is all about this quarter, I have to shave off all this other time wasters yeah. and put it towards where it's going to do. So this goes to our growth formula. Let me just yeah. finish this up with that. The growth formula is literally CEOs, executives, VP of sales come to us and we got to grow our sales or our competition is killing us, crushing us, whatever. We have a formula. Darren, you want me to go with what that is real quick? Yeah, absolutely. Your audience would like it. Okay. Yeah. It's A plus R equals growth. That's it. A stands for acquisition. R stands for retention equals growth. Why is this important? Well, anything in life, if you want to grow it, you have to acquire and you have to retain. If you acquire a bunch of listeners to this podcast, we lose every one of them. We didn't grow the podcast. We have to retain their attention. YouTube's algorithm works on this one thing, that person's retention. How long are they watching this video? The longer they watch, YouTube will promote the hell out of that video. But if they're dropping off, TikTok, same way. If they drop off within seconds, they don't show this video. Yeah. So we have to create more and more content to keep people watching it. Same thing in business. We get a bunch of customers. We got to make them buy, you know, our, our whatever product it is every three months, every six months, every month, if it's a SaaS subscription and they never cancel, right? Like we want to be like Apple. They're on iCloud or whatever. They can never cancel. It's like locked. <laughs> you can locked only in. upgrade. You can <laughs> only upgrade. Right. right? There's no, there's no leaving. No, that's right. So inside acquisition, which is where we spend a lot of our energy and time, 
there's only two possible ways that you can acquire customers. Do you want to know what those are? Yeah. <laughs> right. So um, that's a technique in sales, right? Asking for permission. This is crazy. So there's only two possible ways. And they hire me thinking that I have some magic potion that's going to drastically increase their sales. But I tell them, Mr. CEO, there's only two possible things. And I'm pretty sure you're doing both, yep. but it's not quite efficient. And that's why you reached out to us. Number one, we could capture the demand in the marketplace for your products or services, which if I'm selling iPhone cases, it's going to Amazon and buying ads for the word iPhone cases. Yeah, I don't create demand, which is the second part, which yep. is selling iPhone so I can sell a case with it. It's not worth it in many cases to create demand, which by the way, Darren, how many marketing teams go to office to do which one? Which one do you think they spend 80% of their time at? Uh, probably to create demand, I would have thought. Yes, they feel like nobody wants my boss's product. So I must do something that's never done before. Yeah. And 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 go to a, a, a local networking event. A local networking event is not capturing demand. Mm. Because nobody there wants your products or services. The guy or gal looking for your products or services searching on Google right now. Yeah. They're punching in such and such service near me, or how do I fix this problem? How do I, how do I, how do I, how do I? 24 hours a day, billions of searches are happening. Even if you had to pay, does your website show up mm. right now? That's the, that's the test. And if it doesn't, what business do we have sending emails to people that aren't even interested in hearing our thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It sounds so right? logical. <laughs> it sounds logical, but in corporate America, we spend a lot of time and energy selling things to people that don't want our services. Yeah. Yeah. Which is which is the second part, trying to create demand and and just go through the quantity of, of calls. Correct. Or cold email. Let's send yeah. more cold email. But yeah. why before we don't do all the money in the world, put it on Google ads in every shape or form as they're searching into YouTube, does your video pop up? Even if you had to pay, mm. because it's worth paying for it. I would pay $50 for a lead that's looking for what I do, then $50 cold emailing people that don't need what I do. Yeah. Because it's it, a needle in a haystack. I mean, yes. I do cold email for a living because I know I got to, yeah, right? Yeah. But that's the last thing once I've done everything I can capturing the demand for my product or services, I've maxed that budget out. I don't have another penny, but we do still our CEO or CFO and all of this and the, the cold email company cold emailed us. They said it's working great for so-and-so. They're like, let's go, but we've already done 13,000 on Google ads. I'm happy to spend 500 on cold email, but yeah. some people spend 13,000 on cold email and zero on Google ads. Yeah. You see, it sounds like an episode about Google ads, but it's not. Because we're going, we got to think about, are we in front of the customers that are Googling it, right? Or in TikTok, whatever platform it is, it doesn't really matter. There are, they are searching in YouTube for sure. That's the second largest search and they're searching on Google. Mm. As crazy as that cost per click might be, we have no business going to the networking event because we live in such and such town, paying their dues, going to every lunch they give you when we aren't even showing up. Yeah. In our town for our own darn keyword. Yeah. <laughs> we absolutely, absolutely. And as you're talking there, it sounds like 
that's that's the crux of what you do in terms of removing all the stuff that's not effective and focusing on on the things that will deliver some sort of um, result or make some sort of uh, create some sort of momentum. So it's, Absolutely. it's looking at what's working and what's not working and focusing your attention on the things that will drive some momentum in the in the right areas. If you had a bad salesperson, when I say bad, I'm like, this guy's amateur. He will close the deal accidentally if you give him a warm lead that is in dire need of products or services. Yeah. And you could get the best closer in town, the wolf of Wall Street, and you give it to a customer that doesn't need it, they're not going to close. That's it. That's it. Right? Like they're going to deep, dig deep and do all this crazy assessment and eventually understand not qualified, no budget, no paint, no need, no yeah. trust either. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Love it. Right? Like, and, and, and I'm not saying you should only put amateur salespeople on your team and run Google ads and close. No, you need seasoned professional. You need people that are being trained and understands the products, the nature of the people they're, they're talking to. And especially if you're talking to C-level executives, mm. you have to know their pain more than they know their pain, right? So, yeah. but when you do that and you run ads and you get quality leads coming through your pipeline because you shaved 80% of this miscellaneous cost that you think the golf outing or whatever else that we think are actually driving business or yeah. the t-shirt on the back of the 5k run that you sponsored, my friend, you will have more business that you know what to do with. Yeah. <laughs> it's targeted. It's a, it's actually targeted. But what do you, and what do you say to the CEOs where um, they say, Oh, we have to, we have to, we have to be in all these spaces because it's almost like saturation marketing. Cause you hear the term at, you know, any sort of marketing is good marketing or any kind of publicity is good publicity. But what I'm hearing you saying is, yeah, that's fine, but you've got to have some sort of mechanism to be able to measure the effectiveness. And if it's not effective, then dial it down or stop it and put your resources into areas that you know are getting a return. Absolutely. So it's the measurement thing that we put in first. Yeah. And unfortunately, lots of CRMs are not being used. Yeah. Lots of emails are not being logged. There's no lead tracking and there's no pipeline where they're tracking a lead to a close, right? Yeah. Like if you don't have that, that's John Wanamaker said, I don't know what year that 50% of my advertising doesn't work. The fact is, I don't know which 50%. Well, it's because <laughs> there was no HubSpot invented in that year or whatever it is. Does that make sense? That tracked yeah. every lead to the source that you mm -hmm. get the lead. And if that's the case, as a marketer, it's my best friend because I can spend more and spend less and measure the effectiveness of whatever I'm doing. Mm. And, and I need a smart team that's going to sort this out for me. And the salesperson just does what he does. He doesn't yeah. have to change his process. He keeps calling people or following up. But when he closes it or goes into proposal stage or whatever, or legal or whatnot, we just go track back to the source and say, hey, this did come from golf outing. So maybe you should do that. Yeah. Or yeah. this is all Google or this is all Facebook or this is all YouTube. This is 80% of your leads are coming from this source. Or it could be a referral. We have that all the time. There is some preferred partnership somewhere. Somebody clicks on a link and fills yeah. out a form. And that's the highest quality lead. Why waste our money even running ads? Because just keep building more partnerships. That's it. Seems like that's the best thing to do. But yeah. they don't know that is what I'm saying. Because they think they're missing out on all these other things. Yeah. And they just start creating what I call activity. It's yeah. an activity. It's a sea of activities. More emails, more newsletter, more luncheons, more golf audits, more sponsorship, more t-shirts, more, more soccer games, like whatever we can find. Let's revamp the truck. Let's wrap the truck. Let's get a second truck. You know, it's like at that moment, they're just wasting money and they don't even know it.
But Solomon isn't isn't sales a numbers game? Is that all about quantity? Do I don't I have to blast the marketplace and hopefully there'll be something that sticks? I know, Darren. That's a great question. That's a, that's a, that's 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 a that's a great technique, right? That's that is. So here's here's my answer. I look. I want salespeople to really dig deep, and we've built our own sales process. Like we have to do it. Why? Because the people that we work with, they say, "Well, I've been trained by so and so company. When I was at the car dealership, they taught me how to sell." When I was a da, da 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 I learned one day on a sales event, I learned everything. You can't learn. This is a book from Sandler. You can't learn how to ride a bike, you know, at a at an event or whatever. Like you had to learn how to ride a bike by riding a bike, right? Like yeah. you can't yeah. teach a salesperson how to sell by going to a one-day event at, and and boost their sales numbers. So I'm in I'm interested in ongoing sales training and ongoing everything yeah. because that's how I get better. So we have to build a sales process. It spells out scale. That's the name of our program. Every single letter is actually a step of the sales process that you need to follow, starting mm -hmm. from similar bonding, you know, a clear agreements, addressing issues, linking emotions, and expert solutions. Like that's literally what spells out. Yeah. And our we teach that, we implement that for our sales team, so that even if you're an immature, maybe like amateur, like starting, like starting your sales career, you have a blueprint on what to do. Hey, yes. I really have to you know, break the ice here. That's my similar bonding. Cause if I don't bond with them, they're not going to really get deeper with me. And then I got to go and set the stage, which is clear agreement. Hey, Mr. Prospect, typically when we do a deal like this, here's what happens. You'll ask me some questions. I'll ask you some questions. We'll find out if we're a good fit. That sounds a lot like a professional salesperson, but all they're doing is following our script. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And then we go and say, Hey, you know, I appreciate you booking this call. Can you tell me a little bit about the biggest challenge you're facing in your company as it relates to this or this, what would you like to change, make better, improve? It sounds like I'm reading a script too, but like that also sounds very good and compelling. And we're not just saying, hey, thank you so much for showing up to our showroom. Can you tell me how I can help you? Yeah. No questions, no, you know what I mean? No bonding, uh, no agreements, uh, no addressing issues. And then we have this linking emotion part, which is the real deal takes place when you can link it with emotions. We don't forget that part. And when I teach this to our entrepreneurs and customers and so on, even their amateur salespeople sound like professionals. Yeah. Their email sounds way more better. And, and we don't, the last piece of our sales process is the expert solution. But 99.9% .9 of amateur salespeople, they start with expert solution. That's it. Did you know, Mr. Prospect, we're the largest manufacturing company in America? Did you know we have 32,000 square feet of rolls of paper sitting here? No, I didn't know that. Should I know that? <laughs> and in the head, they're thinking, so what? So what? <laughs> yes. Right. So, so when we go back to this 10x thing, it's really lead generation and customer acquisition. I can't stop thinking about their sales pipeline. Yeah. If I'm committing to grow somebody's business, I can't just throw a bunch of leads at them from Google ads that are extremely expensive and say, good luck, Mr. Prospect. I hope you crush it. I owe them. It's a moral obligation to find out what are they doing with these leads. Yeah, because they'll, they'll end up pretty much coming back to you and saying, hey, Solomon, these these leads are worth nothing. They're, 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 they're horrendous. I was going to say. Yeah, we're going to go back to email newsletters. <laughs> That's right. We'll just go back to what we've been doing. Thanks very much. We'll save all that money. Exactly. So we're not in the business of sales training. I'm sure you can do a better job than that, but we're in the business of helping them 
cut the unnecessary right, spend and activities. Yeah. Yeah. And the time and resources, believe it or not, is way more than what we think. Yeah. Because Sally spends all her time blogging. You yeah. know what I mean? But we don't get one visitors. In fact, our traffic is dipping. The yes. more blogs she writes, like they don't don't check it. They don't know. Well, yeah. They just blog and blog and blogging all the time. Yeah. Right. So, do it. so it's it's the measurement that we start diving deep into what's working from a lead generation perspective. Yeah. And so the acquisition is capturing the demand and creating the demand on the retention side is managing and nurturing leads and managing and nurturing customers. Yeah. So we can manage and nurture customers, same system, measurement, measurement, measurement. Are we getting them to re-sign up and stay with us? And also the people that are leads that we brought in from all these different sources, what are we doing to stay in, you know, top of their, you know, their mind, right? So yeah, absolutely. that's the right side and the acquisition, the retention works together, educate our customers, people, right? The people yeah. that work there. This yeah. is a very simple formula. A five-year-old can figure this out. And if you can learn how to capture demand first, your boss will be very proud of you and I will promote you the end degree. And let's do creation of demand. Let's leave that up to our competition because what, what happens is your competition is really great at creating demand, which is why you feel like you need to do it. But what happens is when they get, they understand what you do, they say, let me look around. They Google it. You show mm. up, mm. boom. And your salespeople are better trained to address questions. Yeah, You'll close. Even yeah, though absolutely. they created the demand, they don't have absolutely. to close. So Solomon, in the in the, the the acquisition strategy where you've got the capture and the and the create demand, is is this where Pareto principle plays out again? Would you say that a lot of the businesses about eighty percent will all be about capturing demand and making sure it's pinpointed versus creating? And do, do customers and companies out there sort of flip that and thinking they've got to actually, in order to grow, they've got to create more demand, so they flip it, but they don't need to. Absolutely. I wouldn't go into creating demand, which is what a lot of, unfortunately, you know, we're buying TV ads trying to tell people you need to change your duct because there's dirt in there. But there's people searching for duct cleaning. Why don't we just get them first? Like, you know what I mean? It's like, why, why not Why not get the person who's actually hurting and are looking for help before we tell the world how that could create, I don't know, allergies and this yeah. and that and and now they put fear in their head and now they're researching all over, but they're not making any buying decision. They're just, exactly. in, it's getting informed. Yeah. So we're spending, it's like free education. We're like becoming a university. We're teaching everybody about everything, but it is a longer sales process is what I'm saying. By the time they become a buyer, it'll be six months down the line. Yeah. But you said you wanted to make your Q1 better. Well, Q1 gotta be a different strategy. Yeah. You know yeah. what I'm saying? I can't do that strategy to help you with your Q1. Mm. But that strategy will have a great Q3 for you, by the way. But I'm not looking for Q3. I'm looking for Q1. Yeah. And so we divert them. But it isn't that I don't do them. I do them less because I want them to have the stocks and the bonds. Yeah. It's the create and the capture. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah. But we have to do the 80-20 rule, like you said, to see yeah. where I can get the biggest bang for my buck right now before I worry about where I can get the biggest bang for my buck in December. Yeah, yeah. And if you look at a lot of a lot of big organizations globally and the ones that come to mind, for example, like the car manufacturers or uh, Pepsi or, or Coca-Cola, things like organizations like that, they're always in the marketplace. They're always penetrating the market with reminding of, of, of their branding. And, and yet sometimes I think to myself, these are massive brands. They are they're almost like Coke, for example, 
is just a brand everybody refers to. I'll have a Scotch and Coke when you go out, right? Now, the actual Coke could be just a watered-down version of something that's cola flavor, but it's not Coke, Coca-Cola, but there's an affiliation with that particular brand. Why is it then that big organizations like that continue to um, advertise and, and seek to create, and this is my impression, create demand? Is it because they just want to remain top of mind because their capturing demand is working so well? It's just something they need to do to, to stay visible to the marketplace. Is that is that their strategy from a marketing point of view? Yeah, so that's really great that you brought that up, right? So a lot of what I'm talking about is super easy to do in B2B. The moment you convert into a B2C organization, there's no measurement. When right. they're buying your can at the grocery store, and you've not so you have no direct relationship. You're sending this to some warehouse, which is a distributor, and the distributor to this guy, and then into their warehouse, and they eventually show up on such and such grocery store, and somebody buys it. Coca-Cola has no idea that this marketing campaign sold that many cans. So the only thing they can do is create demand. Yeah. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? They yeah. want to peel off, they want to do the thing where you peel off and you go to the website because they're trying to desperately track who is getting our message and who's getting it. So they're doing social media drops and this and that. And, you know, Coca-Cola made your, you can personalize the can because you're engaging with it. Nike lets you customize your shoes with your colors. They want direct to consumer, but the current model doesn't work. Mm -hmm. But in the B2B space, or when you're like the HVAC company and you can just go get, you know what I mean? You can get direct access to your customer. Yeah. You could track everything. And you don't need to worry about this kind of like the consumer goods. Like PNG has no idea yeah, yeah. what's working. The yeah. only thing is that they can only spend making the Colgate, the box a little bit better, more shinier, more silver. You know what I mean? More silver laminated stuff to make it shine just a little bit more than the competition because they have zero handle on what actually is working. Yeah. It's unfortunate. So. Yeah. Um, we have to look at more of the mid-sized organization or small businesses where you don't have that problem. You don't have $10 trillion to spend on marketing. <laughs> you right. don't. We have limited budgets. Totally. And we have direct access to our customers, meaning yeah. they call your phone number and Susie is picking up the phone. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. You can have a personalized experience for those customers if you knew their data. You can automatically send them a letter right? Mm -hmm. Like you can automate this. People do that all the time where, Hey, thank you for uh, allowing us to fix your kitchen here. Can you leave a five-star or can you yeah. leave a review? Can't say five-star, Can you leave a review because now we know who we're dealing with. We don't need to have the peeling off and go to the website and the landing page, stuff yeah. like that. B2C gets a little complicated, yeah. um, but we're dealing with companies where their list is 50,000 or 150,000. Yeah, yeah. They're not 10 million. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Got it. Got it. No, I was just I was just curious about that. So for you, Solomon, where did where did this all start? So you're doing you're doing some great work today. And I love the fact that you're leading with what is the problem that a particular organization is facing and how do we measure what's working, what's not, so we can really target in and and start to scale and start to use the 10, the 10x framework. Was there something that happened in your background where you were working that led to, hey, there has to be a better way that's created this or at least the the platform to start creating what you are 100 first of all in sales i would tell you it's all about childhood conditioning right like what happened to you when you were 10 <laughs> someone and that you funny. turned out to be this weird kid um no when i was uh when i started this company i started off as a 
I was a self-taught web developer. That means that 20 some years ago, whenever there was nobody had a website, I was building websites and it was kind of like cryptocurrency today. It was hot. Everybody was buying it and they didn't know what they were buying. You know, it's like, I need it. I was buying domain names and GoDaddy and all of this stuff. And, uh, and then I would reach out to them. They would pay me a couple thousand dollars. I built this website for this new company or existing kitchen company or whatever it is, CPAs, you name it. And, and then I would reach out and be like, so Bob, tell me more. Like, like how's this website treating you? It's like Solomon, yeah. nothing. nothing. Now, nobody's calling me. I got no more business after spending two grand with you than I did before. I feel like I lost two grand. What, and I say, what did I get for my website? <laughs> yeah, what did I get for it? I'm like, but but do you see, you don't you have a website better than all of your competition, Bob. Yeah. You yeah. don't you don't love it? He's like, no, it doesn't do anything for me. <laughs> so we took a little pause and said, guess what, guys? We're not in the website business. We're in the customer acquisition business. Yeah. If we don't get people to this website, we won't have a business. Yes. So we stopped being the website company and we became basically a lead generation and customer acquisition company. And we wouldn't build a website if they don't want more customers. Mm. And we began to be running ads on Google or doing SEO because that's the only thing that mattered to Bob is that Bob got more money. Yeah. Bob wasn't going to refer me any more customers, by the way. Yeah. Bob was never going to come back and buy meet more services from us. If I hadn't figured out that was not the model we need to, we need to take. This happened 17 years ago. Fortunately, I was, Done with college, and I realized pretty early, Bob wasn't, you know, good thing, you know, we had the courtesy to reach out to our past customers, right? Like, how many companies even do that? You yeah. know, they're looking for new customers, big customers. Yeah, absolutely. But I realized that this has to be a relationship-based business. Mm -hmm. This is, cannot be a transactional business. So I needed Bob to be very happy. And let me tell you, we did very well. We didn't even have to run ads to grow business because people were telling other people about what we did. Because when you have... The ability to generate customers. Let me tell you, everybody wants to be your friend. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and through right? that, and when you started out, did you go straight to paid ads on Google, or did you use SEO? So more of a slow burn. This is very early. At yeah. that time, the biggest buyer of Google ads was Yellow Pages. Yeah, okay. Because small business did not even know how to run their own ads, so they would yeah. buy Yellow Pages, and Yellow Pages take your money. And then they would buy ads for themselves and people yeah. go to yellow pages and then they would search for a plumber and then go to your website. It's pathetic as it sounds. That was internet marketing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> and, and Google wasn't even easy to go get your ads directly. That was not even their game because it was so complicated. Mm. And so we were running ads to the few hundred dollars will get you a lot. And then we would do SEO because we were already doing websites. So we'll try to get them ranked locally and, uh, and just try to get them some more business and we would track it and and report, you know, record phone calls and do all yeah. kinds of things. Uh, we would get a copy of their lead. So we'll confirm did they call the lead. You know, we were deep into their pipeline. Let's put it yeah. that way. Yeah. That enabled us to be in their business more frequently than one time website and never hear from you again. Yeah. Obviously, that 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 builds that trusted advisor role that we talk about in sales. Would you? Yeah. Absolutely. Your customers are literally looking for an advisor. They don't know all the things that you know mm. as a business, but it's our job to get to that role. It's not, you don't just make, you don't just get to trusted advisor because you were cool, right? You, you have so many salespeople and a few trusted advisor. Mm. Most salespeople 
don't even know that they should not be in sales. They should be a trusted advisor business. People will reach out to them, say, hey, I have this problem. What should I do? That's right? It. Like that's literally the ultimate sales job you can have is you're the trusted advisor. I call them TA. Yeah. Once you're a trusted advisor, you can charge $20 million and they don't feel like you're mm -hmm. charging a lot. They don't ask you to think it over mm -hmm. and give you, a, you know what I mean? They don't say, can you sharpen your pencil and all of this stuff. There's no negotiation because you know that whatever you say, it's their best interest. It's that's what it. it is. That's it. And it's it's the classic genuine problem-solving focus. I'm here to solve a problem, but it presupposes that the customer recognizes the problem, but also either wants or needs to solve the problem. And when that happens, there should be a natural collaboration where the solution is presented and, and if that fits the problem and they desire to fix that problem, then there should be a... a a transaction that then ensues. And if they don't fix it now, if they fix it later, they're definitely going to still work with you. Yeah. Because they trust your relationship over anybody else that promises the world, right? Like, yeah. so I said, just cold email, more yeah. cold email doesn't mean you're going to get more business. That's what I'm uh, trying to say. <laughs> yeah. And so when you, when you had Bob, <laughs> when yes, you started, yes, I love Bob. Bob, Bob is in every episode, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Bob. Um, so, how did how did Bob? So it sounds like Bob became, uh, for want of a better term, a disciple, right? So you started with building websites. It wasn't generating any 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 revenue, any interest, but they had a fantastic front, shop front, right? Then we changed our focus and said, "Hey, we need to try and um, capture demand that's already there." And maybe you started to do some creation of demand as well. Um, how long did it did it take for you to to catch on to the fact that hey? This is something that is unique in the marketplace where we can, as an organization, become the trusted advisor. Because you mentioned that you didn't do a lot of advertising in the in the early page stuff because right. people were just talking, hey, you need to go and talk to Solomon. You need to bring these guys in and start to start to put a solution in place. Um, how long did that take? Because a lot of people listening to this were thinking, you know what, I don't have a lot of runway. I don't have a lot of runway. I'm on I'm under pressure from my sales director to get yes to get my sales number in by this month or this quarter. And my 100%. only way of doing this is to do more of cold email, LinkedIn. Right, right. Yeah, um, that's, a, that's a great question. So I started off at a spare bedroom, my dad's house. I moved on, but he's still there. You know, he loves, he's, he's happy. That was his place. But what I'm saying is that he didn't like me making calls from the house and everything. He went and got... Uh, an actual lease, got the lady to say, I need to know how much the space is cost. He brought it to me and said, look, I got you an office. You can move out now. <laughs> okay. I had to produce in a very yeah. short amount of time results. I had to do the capture demand thing myself yeah. because I had rent to pay. Not to mention, I'm also helping pay the, the mortgage, right? Because I'm a yeah. son. I mean, I'm not going to just not live there and not pay any bills. My parents taught me better. And then because I had like, 1500 square feet or something. I'm like, when I got a bunch of desks and tables from Office Depot and told my friends, like, let's put it together and start hiring people. Mm -hmm. So I had payroll on mm -hmm. top. I had to do anything, right? So it doesn't have to take years, is what I'm saying. Yeah. You asked people, hey, would you know any other business owners that I can help? Because again, mm -hmm. today we live in a world people don't even want to ask for a referral. Would you, would you know someone else like yourself that I, you might be able to introduce me to? Yeah. 
And, 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 and here's the deal. They don't even want any money. They'll happily introduce you if they like what you do. Right. Yeah. And so I, what I'm saying is that I didn't even have to go to Indiana, the state next door to get business. I had so much business from just my town, like yeah. Chicago land is pretty big. Yeah. Um, and over time that grew, of course, because, you know, but long story short, we were very grateful. Like you just have to really work hard. You got to add 10x the value than what they pay, which is what yeah. I what I teach our employees. If they pay a thousand, you better make sure they're making ten thousand dollars in return. Yeah. They have to be making so much money that this is like pennies for them to pay you. Yes. When you do that kind of work, yeah. I'm not saying we're cheap or you know, I'm not saying like we're discount ourselves. It's just that we have to think in value. I want customers that are making hundred million dollars and they pay me a million. Yeah. They'll they'll have no problem writing that shot. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and that and that's the thing. You've you've touched on a really important point there. It's it's all about value. And I think you alluded to it earlier where people talk about that, hey, we've got uh we've got this massive warehouse, we've got these reams of paper, and they start with their own company and their own product. And there's nothing necessarily wrong with that other than they've just got a, a such a self-fulfilling view of their own maybe importance, which is not necessarily consistent with how the marketplace sees them yep. so we've got to look at as sales people as sales leaders as organizations what is the value we're creating in the marketplace and make it all about the customer what is their problem and how can i help solve the problem and provide value through the through the buying process so the point gets to they think you know what these guys provide so much value i would pay i would pay twice three times what they're charging me because i'm getting so much in return and plus they're also there along with me on the journey. Because the other thing you touched on Absolutely. as well is this is not just a one transaction. I mean, if you look yeah. back on your on your clients, I'm sure that a, a vast majority of them have now been with you for years because your organization focuses so much on creating value, which is the retention yeah. part, right? So it's I've always said to sales teams, the sale actually doesn't start until after the sale is made. So you don't necessarily uh, have to go out and keep, keep acquiring You've got a ready-made gold mine in front of you if you just focused yeah. on it. Is that hundred percent? Yeah, yeah. It, it's 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 what we need to be building. Healthy organizations need to be thinking as leaders. Like my sales guys shouldn't be hustling because we have such bad retention. We should have salespeople that can disqualify leads because they don't see that they're going to last twelve months. Yes. Right. Be like, hey, I'm not sure for the right fit, because typically when I work with an organization and they tell me I only have fifty thousand dollars to fix the five million dollar problem, they may not have a lot of other pieces added into the puzzle. I don't know if we're the right fit for you guys. They'll be like, tell me more. Why do you think you guys are everybody else is only thirty thousand? We actually have fifty thousand. Well, yeah. yeah, because you try to fix a five million dollar problem. You have a we have a pipeline with a hole in it. So yeah. no matter what you do, this hole is only going to get bigger. So I don't want to waste any of your time. You might want to look elsewhere. That's a great salesperson. You should promote him. Why? Yeah, absolutely. Because if they had brought that customer, it would be a disaster for the organization. Yeah. Yeah. And isn't that, if, isn't that, isn't that counterintuitive than what a salesperson should do? Mate, absolutely. <laughs> and you're going to have a sales leader out there trying to ask, ask the question of the salesperson as to why you let that customer go, right? We need revenue. We need, we need every single potential right. customer that's breathing to come on. So you need to close, close, close. I'd be saying, you know what? You've got to have a belief in your product. You've got to have a belief in what yeah. you're doing and your service. But you've got to go out there and qualify customers and potential customers as to whether you 
feel you can help them and whether they qualify to be part of your ecosystem. So the attitude has to be, we just don't work with everybody. We work with very specific organizations and people where there is a definitive mix because we're in this for the long haul, not just for a short, short haul. Exactly. And that's the thing. Exactly. And if you have yeah, you're going to make yourself available for that right fit. Otherwise, you're going to be too busy and don't have capacity. And a good customer comes, you're like, oh, sorry, I don't have any capacity. And quite frankly, you lose that opportunity. So I want to have the capacity to work with the kind of people I want to work with. Now, if you're brand new and you're listening to this podcast, you may need to take a couple of customers so you get the experience. But you listen to Darren's podcast. Trust me. You'll know exactly when you see a bad fit and you say, I'm running away because this is not even the kind of customers I want to work with. Absolutely. And I have done it many times. <laughs> I've taken on a customer. I'm thinking, oh my God. And you look back, and sometimes as Steve Jobs says, you can't you can't join the dots looking forward. You can only join the dots looking back. And sometimes those experiences can teach you some great lessons that hopefully you don't repeat moving forward. Wise words from Darren. <laughs> well, that was that was Steve Jobs that says that, but I'll, okay, I'll, I'll take credit for it in this particular right. case. 100%. So Solomon, um, this has been a great conversation and we haven't delved into cost per clicks and stuff like that, but I don't, I don't think we need to because I think the concept of, of this is it's all about crea- um, capturing demand first and foremost because people listen to this, their organizations typically have a position in the marketplace anyway. My question to them would be, are you capturing the demand that already exists or are you still persisting with the old sales techniques of the cold call, mm. the cold email, the the right. blast marketing, right? We need to get smarter with what we're doing. And if you can measure what's effective and double yeah. down on those methodologies, you potentially can exponentially improve your your returns. So it's been a been a great conversation. I have a I have a question for you. And it's um and I and I know you have this sometimes asked of you as well. And I think the the dollar value is ten ten thousand bucks. If you had ten thousand dollars to market a business right now, what would you do with it? Is that is that number still relevant today, or is it can can it be like a thousand or a million? We'll just go. Yeah, with no, I think ten thousand dollars. Believe it or not, not a lot of companies drop a lot of money these days because they feel like they don't need any marketing, and it's because yeah. they have a smaller view on growth. You know, so when you when you, I mean, Grant Cardone's a great guy that made 10x extremely popular, but I love to live that I can be 10 times bigger. Yeah. And if that's the case, $10,000 doesn't seem like a lot of money. But a lot of people, when you're spending a thousand, 10,000 seems like a lot, but it is a really yeah. good investment for those businesses. So I would probably spend more money with Zuckerberg today because we run ads on YouTube, we run ads on Facebook, we run ads on all these different platforms. Facebook is getting better. And they're, by the way, their stock is like skyrocketing. Talk about, yeah. you know, publishing this podcast extremely fast. Like it's really good. So much that Zuckerberg's bonus payout because of the dividend they just launched is $700 million just as dividend payout. So he deserves it, if you ask me, because he's had tremendous value to the customers. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So Zuckerberg is where I would put a lot of that money, depending on if I'm trying to capture demand. Yeah. Um, and I'll probably put some money into creating short form video content. Okay. Because it's one of those things that leaders aren't spending enough time. We've put I put a whole masterclass called 10X Pipeline, teaching people to become the leader in their marketplace. And to become the leader, this is where you really got your growth formula down. Yeah. To really do that, they got to see your face. Mm. 
They're going to see Darren's face over yeah. and over and over and over. How do you do that? You got to do that through short form content today, not anything else. And if you posted that kind of content, I would put $4,000 in that and $6,000 into taking one of those videos that did well organically, run ads with it. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? I would do a combination of that if you gave me 10 grand today. Nice. Nice. And it probably leads into the last question I wanted to ask you in relation to, well, second last, because there's one final question for you. Um, if if you've got a, a sales leader or entrepreneur, somebody running a business wanting to expand their their reach, what media, and at my view, I've already answered it in terms of Zuckerberg, but um, the media that every entrepreneur needs to invest in, is it the short-term video? Is there anything else that you would add to that? Um, no, I'm a big fan of uh, figuring out what the questions that are being asked. You could do this right by going to Google and punching what you do. If you say, I do commercial loans, literally there'll be 10 questions on the first page of Google. Google's trying to understand what do you mean by commercial loan? Do you want, how do I buy a commercial loan? Where is the interest rate? How do I answer those questions, audio, video, uh, and text. Yeah. Just, just, just answer that. That, that would be my biggest thing. And that's a, that's literally what I do for CEOs. Okay. Because CEOs need to get out there and get in front of cameras more. And I just help them answer the questions that people are asking. And I turned that into newsletter. Now they get to see you. This is really talking about becoming the authority. Yeah. Because at that moment, they trust you. Again, trust your advisor because you're the one who drops all this knowledge about the thing, the thing over and over again. And you just go to Google to find this information. It costs zero dollars. Mm. Absolutely. Brilliant. Brilliant. So, hey, this has been a, an awesome conversation. And I know how quickly it is nearly an hour ago. And uh, I'm conscious of time because it's probably, is it 5 or 6 p.m. in Chicago Five. right now? Five o'clock. Yeah. So nearly beer o'clock, my friend. Not that you probably drink on a Tuesday, but anyway. Nelly beer, no, yeah. nearly beer o'clock. I'm glad this is the end of day for me and it's morning for you. So we can go <laughs> on for another three hours there and just, I'm like, this is this is actually natural. This is energy producing uh, activity for me. Love it. Love it. So Solomon, for people who want to connect with you personally, but also learn more about uh, what you guys do at IMS and also ClickX, where's the best places for them to connect and find out more about you. Yeah, absolutely. They could just, uh, my last name is spelled Timothy. Timothy, and I have a website called Timothy.com, T-H-I-M-O-T-H-Y, just my last name. If you Google me, you'll find me. Uh, that has all the links to our companies and my social media links. I literally drop so much value and I don't expect anything in return because I want to help everybody fix their customer acquisition problem, right? Because I can I can only I can only do work with so many clients, as you know, right? They're yep. good feedback. But I can help everybody with my knowledge. Absolutely. They can just figure out how to do it. That's why I'm here. So I want as much of you to guys go get as much of the content as possible. Ask me questions. I'm here to serve. So thank you, Darren, for letting me put the link there. Absolutely, mate. It's um it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast. We uh we did it was a little bit of um technical difficulty. We tried to do this last week, but um it's it's so great to have you on the podcast. And I think I think we might have to do this again. There's probably more things we might. Absolutely. Yeah. You enjoy the rest of your Tuesday, my friend. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me, Darren. All the best. Thank you for listening to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast. I trust the information in this episode has been helpful in your journey towards becoming exceptional. And remember, please take the time to rate the show, subscribe to the show so other people can find it. But also, if I can help you, jump on my calendar. Go to leadwithdarren.com. And let's have a conversation about how I can help you along your journey to being exceptional.